Three, two, one, go. Oh, boy. Ready, set, go. Oh, my. What if we got one of those starter track pistols? To start, like, just for, do it? What, just for today. Shoot? Like, not only just for the podcast, but just to also have. I wonder how much they are. Probably, like, $15. Let's, well, let's look, after, <laughs> let's look after this. $15. Do you think you could shoot it in the house? I don't think because I think you shoot like a projectile. I think you can, but it would be, you wouldn't be able to hear for the rest of the day. <laughs> it would be so loud. So loud. That that scared the crap out of me in track. But like, I did not like that. How did it at all. scare you like more you knew than it was coming? Once. Yeah, like it, they do it every race. I understand. Times. It, well, but it's just that like initial like it's dead silence and then phew, do you think they know like, they're going to do it? Do you think that It doesn't the, matter. The guy who does it, like the first four, he's like serious about it. You know what I mean? And then after that, <laughs> after that, he's pointing at people. I would. The first couple, you're as serious. You're the guy at the Olympics. You're hyper serious. And then the last, and then the next 10, you're like fairly serious. Right? Yeah, but in the last so many, seven, you're so shooting many. people in the knee. Right? Like, you're... you're I, I, You'd be arrested. <laughs> yeah, but you don't actually shoot them. There's nothing nothing comes, comes out. out. Doesn't matter. You're pointing a gun at someone. It's not even a real gun. Doesn't you matter. Wouldn't get, you definitely Listen. wouldn't get arrested. You know what I mean? Like, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Like, it would be unbelievable. Oh, boy. We're... That, that's... Imagine we're gonna how move much on that sucks. Like, ima- the amount of races that start... Like you're just firing them off left and right. But I think it's I think he has fun. I yeah. think I would if I did it, I would look at you after every time and I would just say, shoot the thrill. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Woo! Oh boy. Alright. Let's get let's go back to talking let's, about <laughs> Let's get speaking of shooting the thrill. Little wrap up from your physique sport competition yesterday. Yes. So good things. Uh, some things to take away to learn from, all that kind of stuff. So um, why don't we, if someone didn't listen to your other one, mm-hmm. the first the first couple, which, dear listener, if you haven't listened to, uh, we did a two-show series about Amanda's previous show, uh, where we talked a little bit more about physique sport. But if, let's say somebody hasn't listened to that, uh, can you give us a little bit of a sense of sort of what you do, what division you compete in, that kind of stuff, and what they look for, just so we people have a sense of, like, what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> sure. Um, so in September, I decided that I was going to start concentrating specifically for bodybuilding uh, and geared my nutrition and training to that uh, and competed in my first competition in December. Uh, it went as best as about could be expected. I won all both classes that I competed in and then won the overall. Um, got some great feedback from the judges at that point um, in terms of my division. Uh, that division is wellness. It is a new division in the United States for women's physique sport. Um, in wellness, it is kind of in between bikini and figure. Uh, so bikini, think like good-looking girl on the beach, uh, you know, good upper body, lean throughout, but not holding a lot of muscle mass, um, or like super shredded uh, to where you can see like striations in the muscles and that sort of thing. Um, and in wellness, uh, they are looking for a little bit uh, bigger 
lower body in terms of muscle mass. Um, so muscular quads, hamstrings, and glutes, as well as uh, a lean upper body. And so for me, uh, I, it is a division that I think I fit very well. Um, and from my first competition, judges said, yep, looks good. Just keep pushing yourself to be leaner. Um, and so taking that feedback kind of adjusted, took a little maintenance period um, in January and then started prep for this most recent competition uh, and did six weeks worth of uh, prep. was a lot harder this time around than before uh, in terms of nutrition especially. Uh, had some health issues uh, throughout uh, that kind of threw some things off. Um, and so overall was excited for this competition. It was a, my first natural show. Um, and so obviously in, in bodybuilding, uh, PEDs or performance enhancing drugs are something that is prevalent. And so in this particular show, uh, you were not to be on any PEDs. So you were all natural um, in competing. And so, yeah, that was that was what led us up to tomorrow or yesterday. Okay. <laughs> so uh, that you did two shows in pretty quick succession. Yes. You kind of alluded to that. You had a very brief period of maintenance, both in terms of training and uh, nutrition, and then basically went right back into show prep to get ready for this one. So I guess that kind of leads to the first question is what made you want to do this show? Like what were you looking to get out of it uh, coming off of the previous one? And, you know, did you get out of it what you wanted to get out of it? Yeah, so originally the plan was actually to have a very long kind of prep process uh, starting from September and then competing at the Arnold, which was supposed to be at the beginning of March. Uh, but obviously with COVID, that has been postponed indefinitely. Um, and so we kind of switched gears a little bit and chose to do the December show. Um, and then my posing coach recommended that it would be good for me to get on stage and get some experience because I am new to the sport uh, and just kind of know a little bit more about the process itself um, and get comfortable with being on stage and just the process of being backstage and going through all of that. Um, so, yeah. I, I don't know if that answers so your it, question yeah, or not. No, it's, it's, so it was experiential. <laughs> yes. Um, I had forgotten that the original thing was to do the Arnold, mm -hmm. which so it was still, so December was short prep to you, for you. So re, in reality, uh, to give the listener a sense of how long preparation takes for something like this, you started to prepare in September for a show that you would have done effectively like two weeks ago. Correct. And so that would be like two weeks ago being mid-March. So it's a long time. Um, so experience just was one of your, probably the primary goal coming out of this show. Mm -hmm. um, and so did you, what were your takeaways? Like, did you feel like you got good experience coming out of this uh, to inform future shows? 
Uh, for sure. So this was definitely a bigger show in that there were a lot more competitors uh, overall. Um, still about the same in my division in terms of the different classes. It was still very small because, again, wellness is, is new. Um, so for the wellness division, not a lot of competition, um, but enough competition that uh, allowed me to walk away with fourth uh, in my division. Uh, so lots of lessons learned uh, from going from first to last, essentially, from my first show to second show. And so th- I think that's a, a good thing to think about is um, that is a big change. So your experience and your feeling coming out of this one were very different. But the reality uh, that we talked about is that, well, first of all, nobody wins all shows. Right. There's never been someone who's never who's gotten first place at every show they've competed in. That's not how it works. Right. Um, and so the goal is always to win and do as well as you can. But the reality for you is that uh, the lessons that you learn ultimately are more important. So in the, the natural question is, is if we use this experience to inform future experiences, what do you want to do going forward? So what's the next thing? So you're coming off of this one. Walk us through what's going to happen in, say, the next couple months, and then what's going to happen maybe in the rest of 2021 if the kind of things go how you want them to go. For sure. So, uh, again, kind of going into this competition, we knew that this was going to be the first of my 2021 season. Um, and so it kind of planned for not being probably my best package here. Uh, just didn't realize that it wasn't going to be what the judges wanted or were, were looking for. Um, so I'd say that that was kind of the first takeaway uh, was learning that even though the expectation here was not um, that I was going to be in peak uh, condition for my division, uh, that even even in knowing that like kind of put me in my place in finishing last uh, because these judges were looking for just much leaner uh, than what I am. Uh, so the next show will be in five weeks. Um, so I'll take a little bit of a deload just to kind of regroup uh, over the next couple of days and then start again. Uh, diet and nutrition, not really changing. Uh, that'll be the same, at least for now, from where I was uh, post or pre-peak week. Um, so a week ago, uh, nutrition will go back to, to that. Uh, and then training will just kind of continue as it has been uh, with the goal of, again, just kind of leaning out over the next five weeks. So I think that's a really important point for people listening to understand, too, is that within this sport, or really within any sport, um, sometimes the goal of going into a competitive sphere, though you obviously want to win, that's not actually the, the primary goal. So in this case, the primary goal was to get you ready for the next one understanding that you're not going to come in in the shape that you want to in this one. Like, it's just not going to happen. But if you add another four weeks of 
dieting, basically, of, of show prep, that you're going to be closer to the complete package that you want to be. So obviously, while it's disappointing to not have that, it's also not entirely unexpected because you knew that you're coming in not in, in top shape, basically. Yeah, and I think that was kind of my first realization was on stage. Uh, like, being backstage, being at the show, I, I, it's weird. I just feel very much in my element. I enjoy that process, just kind of being in your own head, just kind of vibing to music, getting pumped, uh, and then hitting the stage is something that, like, I didn't think that I would actually enjoy in this sport, uh, but actually absolutely love. Uh, but one thing that was different this time around um, was because they were live streaming this, um, they had a projection screen behind us, um, and it was kind of in the moment when I turned to hit my back pose, uh, I looked up and I saw myself on screen and I had one of those moments of like, oh, okay, so that's that's the package that you're working with right now. And I know the other people that are on this stage and I know the other people that have come before and after uh, and they're definitely in, in a, a much better position than I am right now. Uh, so I came off of stage from prejudging and not the highest spirits. Uh, it, knowing that like it wasn't where I wanted to be um, but then kind of went into finals going like anything can kind of happen uh, I think over the course of the day I got a little bit tighter looked better looked a little bit leaner in my lower body when I hit the stage the second time for finals uh, but again it just it wasn't enough for what the judges were looking for in terms of my division and so that was that yeah, I was going to say, so an interesting thing, not necessarily, well, semi-related to your experience, but just in the physique sport in general, that that the two you could almost look at it as like two mini-shows between pre-judging and finals, mm -hmm. because someone can come out of pre-judging looking different in finals. Correct. You know what I mean? So, that, so as much as it is like pre-judging matters the what the show and maybe i could be wrong with this show but i know in like you know at the olympia stuff like that that your placing in prejudging doesn't mean that you if you were in second in prejudging that doesn't mean you're in second in finals you know what i mean because right. someone you can look better someone else can look worse over the course of the day yeah and so that's something that they you know obviously talk to you about um it kind of goes back and forth, as my understanding is I've gotten a little bit more experience in the sport, uh, is that in this situation like this show, where everyone goes from prejudging into finals, uh, that to a certain extent the judges kind of already have their minds made up, uh, but you really kind of have to like blow it up in between pre-show and finals to sway the judges' minds. Uh, which is why, I, again, I felt a little bit more hopeful going into finals because I thought I looked better uh, going into finals than what I did when I hit the stage in the morning at pre-judging. So I had hoped that that was enough uh, to push myself in the other direction. Um, but in other shows where not everyone makes it to the finals, that is very much my understanding of being, being the case, uh, is that 
it's kind of it's anybody's game. I think it's such an interesting experience to watch as a spectator and as like your sort of in-person support team uh, is just how hard of a sport it is. Um, it's interesting because aesthetics, I think, are the single salient factor in effectively all people engaging in an exercise at some level. It may not be their primary goal, but it's somewhere in the mix, right? Yeah. There's a look that people want to have. and But at the same time, uh, physique sport, bodybuilding, is very much a niche sport. It may always remain a relatively niche sport. And frankly, I think part of it, part of it, people will back away because they don't necessarily like the pageantry of it, or at least they tell themselves that. But the reality is, is that I think it's frankly because there are few sports that are harder, that it is very physically and psychologically taxing at all levels. So you have to prep even before you actually begin your preparation for a show, potentially years of trying to get your body in a position to actually even have a fighting chance of competing successfully. Um, and, you know, obviously not everybody takes that perspective. Some people compete just to compete. Um, but, but looking, if you really want to be competitive, Ryan and I were just talking about this before before we started the podcast, is it's, it's like it's a years-long thing, potentially a decades-long thing for people. Um and then you go through what is a very grueling preparatory process where you really try to push your physique to the limit to have the best possible visual presentation, not to mention practicing posing and things like that. A fairly intricate process of peaking so you can look your best on stage so you don't look depleted and half-starved. All to be on stage for, I don't know, couple minutes. couple minutes, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And you can get out of all of that, putting in your best effort can get dead last. Yeah. And it's subjective. It's not like lift a weight, beat everybody else in the competition at wrestling or something like that. It is truly just how people think you look and relating how they think you look to the standard of the division you're in. So in that way, it can be just absolutely grueling. But you can, it's, it's amazing to watch the people who do it and how much they enjoy it. And I think if, it's just, to me, it's like the greatest articulation of training because you're actually training purely, it's purely for yourself. Like it's not for anybody else. Like nobody outside of friends and family is at this thing. Like nobody cares. It's, you know, it's not like really it's it's purely for you and to me that's what makes it like so intensely beautiful is it's like only for you but at the same time extremely difficult yeah and i think that's something that uh for me is is a little bit harder uh in terms of just who i am as a person because i i don't consider myself to be very selfish um but in this process, it kind of have to be. Mm -hmm. um, and it is hard. There are days where it's hard not to, you know, enjoy dinner with you guys uh, or, you know, enjoy the holidays with family. And, uh, you know, it, that plays into the kind of like psychological aspect of it. And it's like, at the end of the day, is this really worth not engaging? Um, but at the same time, like, you find ways to make it work. Like, 
so, you know, if that means that I, I bring my own food to be able to enjoy dinner uh, or to celebrate things, then that's what I do because this is important to me. And I know how important deviating from my nutrition or deviating from my training plan can change the ultimate goal. And the ultimate goal is to bring the best physique when I step on stage. And I think to clarify that too, so you, you're at the end of this process, we'll have done three shows in about as short a period of time as one could realistically, um, or, or nearly so. But then in a relative sense, you sort of shut it off. And so we've alluded to this before with just regular people when they're going through a, like a fat loss phase. There's certain things you can't do. Like you can't really drink. You can't really go out and eat at restaurants with any kind of frequency. But it's not permanent. Right. You're not giving it things forever. This is not a permanent state that you're in or that the, the average person trying to lose a couple pounds of fat is in. It's, it's impermanent. It's temporary. And so that perspective of understanding not making things into a bigger battle than it is Right, like you're still at the holiday thing. You just can't you can't eat nine pieces of pizza. It's not sensible because it doesn't align with your goals. Is is fundamentally temporary. And then there are points where you you basically shut this whole thing off, um, and are just training and can and otherwise function normally. Yeah, and I think that that's kind of the interesting thing for me, and just kind of in the last twenty four hours. Um, you know, obviously after competing yesterday, enjoyed some burgers and some fries. Um, but waking up this morning, it was like, okay, like I'm just ready. Even just with that one, one meal or that one deviation, it's like, all right, I'm just kind of ready to be back to my normal, normal routine of eating and Sunday and work and podcast and just kind of enjoying time with you guys um and so for me it's it's not not really any different um obviously excluding something like peak week that is truly like taxing and physically draining Mm -hmm. um because food intake is so restrictive so what are some takeaways for people who maybe aren't interested in competing in physique sport, because obviously that's a different thing. We could talk about that for a long time, what it takes and what you need to do and where people would fit in in divisions and stuff like that. But assuming that the majority of people listening to this aren't maybe aren't super interested in, in competing in it, I think that translates directly to people's goals. So I'd love to hear your thoughts about that. So when you see um, in terms of, of adherence and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the, the lessons that I've learned in competing are equally applicable to anyone who has any sort of aesthetic goals. That at the end of the day, um, sticking to your training, sticking to your nutrition uh, in the long term is just what go- what is going to pay the dividends. It's what's going to get you to where you want to be. Um, and so getting okay um, and becoming comfortable with the uncomfortable of dieting, knowing, knowing that it's a temporary thing, um, is, is just the reality of, of what you ultimately want. Um, and so understanding what your goals 
are and what your why behind that goal is, is just really important. Because if that's not clear, then you're not going to understand your training or your nutrition and why you're doing these things for yourself. Um, because your direction isn't clear. Your vision isn't clear. Yeah, I think that's very nicely said. Um, and I think that's it's just also to not necessarily, and this may come across as harsh, but like just not making excuses and just doing it. Like th- that is, that like you, just, you have protocols that are the goal of the protocols is to lead to a certain result, which is to get you a certain result in a competitive setting. However, uh, people who aren't competitive ultimately have the same set of protocols. And even if they're different, like the, the magnitude is different, but the idea is the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just you can't, you can't excuse your way out of that or try to sidestep it or find little hacks or anything like that. Like there are things that work and you just you got to do it if you want this end goal. And then once you reach the goal, doesn't mean, you know, shut everything off and just go back to going nuts. But um, but you find sort of a new, less restrictive way to be. Yeah. And I think that that is the hard part. And I think this is, you know, conversations that we have with our clients all the time uh, and why we encourage everybody to be kind of a thinking athlete. Like, why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you coming to the gym? Why are you doing the programming that you're given? Why are you eating a certain way? Is it just because your coach told you to do that? If so, I don't know that that's really the best way to, to do things. It should be because you understand the process. You understand what the ultimate outcome is supposed to be. Uh, and those should be tied directly to your goals. So if you're just someone who's looking for general health, you know, obviously your training should align with that. Obviously your nutrition should align with that. And it shouldn't be eating pizza and cake and ice cream four times a week because we know the science proves like that is not what's going to make you healthy. Eating whole unprocessed foods and exercising multiple times a week is what's going to make you healthy. And so if that is your goal at a bare minimum like you can't make excuses why you're not doing those things yeah so switching gears a little bit um we've talked a little bit about this with powerlifting, but let's say somebody has the opposite perspective right uh and they are interested in learning a little bit more and maybe doing something similar to what you're doing uh how do you think they would best get involved with that? And what divisions, and obviously it's contingent on the person and their genetics and all that kind of stuff, their physical size. Uh, what divisions do you think are most approachable for people who maybe want to, are, are interested in competing in physique sport? They've always watched it from afar, sort of been interested in it, kind of like it, maybe need a goal and want to want to give that a try. Yeah, I think that's something, you know, obviously we've had multiple discussions about. Um, at the end of the day, again, your training and your your nutrition should align with your goals. And so if you have goals of competing in physique sport, um, then, again, do your homework, do your due diligence, look at the different divisions. There are um, many, and it 
may be that you are more suited uh, genetically to fit one more than the other. And so you may come to your coach and say, you know what, I, I'm really excited about figure as a female. Can I do that? And obviously, if that's your goal, then you can do that. Um, would I say that's the most approachable for the average person? Probably not. Um, <laughs> because for figure, that's a pretty uh, competitive uh, division for a female in terms of like your body composition and what you need to look like on stage. Um, and so maybe it's something to where it's like you begin in, in bikini. Um, bikini probably being the most approachable for female athletes. Um because at the end of the day, it's you look good in a bikini. Um, and I think every woman uh, has some kind of desire to look good, whether on the beach or just comfortable in their own skin. Uh, so if you have physique goals, it's probably from a female perspective where, where I'd start. I'd say for on the opposite spectrum for men, <clears throat> similar in the sense that there are Divisions start with kind of least muscular and then as you go up more muscularity and obviously each division looks for different proportions and in different things different aspects that make them unique but men's physique would be the kind of the bikini of uh, the male side in the sense that you just look aesthetically pleasing on the beach or at the pool. Um, so like relatively muscular upper body, lean upper body, but not that legs aren't an aspect, but the emphasis is placed on just the kind of the beach muscles. So like hips, hips up, um, and probably the least muscular, but the idea being that it's kind of what everyone wants to look like. You look at them and you're like, that's a very, you know, pleasing aesthetic. And then as you go up more muscularity all the way up to like bodybuilding would be the stereotypical Ronnie Coleman look and then obviously there's in between in the sense that there's wellness and figure uh same thing for men there's classic physique and 212 and stuff like that yeah again at the end of the day I think for most people they have aesthetic goals uh and if you want to look good naked or quote unquote look the part right you want to look like you work out and you're interested in physique sports those are kind of the two categories that are kind of the most approachable and probably the easiest to kind of start and align your goals with yeah i'd agree i think there that there's some it's why they're there to a certain extent is to make some reasonable entry points for people other than like men's open bodybuilding which is you know like a decade long or more uh, preparation for somebody it involves a lot of other stuff. The, those are things that you sort of, for lack of a better term, could kind of jump in, jump into. Or I think two genetics play a big role. Like you may be just genetically perfect for a division where you actually that's that's a little higher up in terms of uh, what it's looking for. But because you have the underlying components, you actually probably could jump in. So I was gonna say like you're genetically built kind of for wellness and that's I think probably what sparked your interest is seeing that you had kind of had the build whereas like you and I what would we show well, what so we here's the thing like, oh, boy. I think initially like men start in men's physique because we don't carry like tons of muscle but neither of us have the build 
Pray you, pray you, other than your, like if you had a smaller waist, you would fit it more than I would, but I think I would be more like classic physique. What do you think? This is the most <laughs> important part right now. Is what divisions would you put you us have to put in? Both of us in. No, if we, if what would you prep put them for in? Six months, and we have to decide. Six months. Yeah. Oh, you both need more work than that. <laughs> if we're gonna, we could also be in the same division because if we we're in classic, we'd both be in class A. So you could put us there, and in, then there's a follow-up question, case, obviously. Who would, the one, like, one, one person has the upper body, the other person has the lower if body. If you could put us I together, know. then it's that just posing. Great. Then it's just posing, which you both are not greatest at, but that's okay. We can work on that, too. I'm working on it. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. It, it, we have this conversation all the time. <laughs> Literally, like, three times a week. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Um, and in your current condition, I don't know either of you fit any class. <laughs> you are, we like, in the fit, midst of we both. We both fit 74 kilo powerlifter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stick to what you know. Uh, but no, in all seriousness, I think that that is, uh, you know, a good take-home lesson for everybody, right? Like, it, it takes uh, a lot of dedication and a lot of commitment to compete in any aspect, whether it's powerlifting, whether it's Olympic weightlifting, uh, or in physique sport. And so if it's important to you, you just know that maybe your process may be longer than someone else's. Uh, and if you're willing to commit to it, then commit to it and find yourself a coach uh, who's willing to make that commitment to you and for you and push you in that direction. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great place to stop. Obviously, as we continue on this journey with you, we'll we'll continue to do episodes like this and maybe do another one in about a month's time coming off the Pittsburgh show. For sure. But yeah, but uh, certainly we appreciate you sharing and talking about your feelings and, and expectations going into the show and obviously maybe most important, the takeaways coming out so we can continue to move forward. If you have questions about this stuff, you can shoot us an email Either Amanda, Rye, or Ryan at theaerobicpowerbuilder.com, all one word. Make sure you support the nice people that we're associated with, like Coffee Supporter. 1440 Coffee Roasters. And Nutrition Supporter. Core Nutritionals. Use code Rye, capital R, capital Y, capital E, to save potentially major cash on your order. Power Builder 1440 on the coffee roasters. You need, you're going to take supplements, right? Like you're going to use a little creatine. Everybody's using protein powder, right? And you're going to drink coffee. Why not save a couple bucks? Why not use uh, great companies that we're associated with? Otherwise, we wouldn't associate ourselves with them. It's very simple. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Consider that. Consider that on your drive to work. Yes. All right. We'll see you guys next time. See ya.